Hello and welcome to Holiday Moves, where we share our love for the holidays with all of you. Today we might sound a little different. We're coming to you from Orlando, Florida. Woo! For the beginning of our Disney trip together. Very exciting, but we are in a much different environment to do the recording, so uh, we will see how it goes. A lot more echoey in here, a lot loftier kind of space. That's right. But we will make do. So uh, we are excited, and next week we'll talk to you more about our holiday trip to Disney. But today we have four moons with us. This is Randy Moon, and I'll be talking about the season of Advent and what that means. This is Cole Moon, and I'm going to be talking about those Rankin Bass claymation specials that are kind of weird, but we all love and watch around the holidays. And this is Sydney Moon. I will be talking about the original Grinch animated movie and comparing that to the Grinch movie that came out this year. And I'm Beth, and I will be talking about our Christmas Eve family traditions. Very fun. But first, as always, we will see if we have any holiday happenings over the last week. What happened over the last week? Hmm. (laughs) Well, one holiday happening is that my mom got to come spend Thanksgiving with us. We got to go get her a week early, so she was here for the whole upcoming Thanksgiving celebration. That's right. So we got to share with her our, first of all, our Christmas decorations, because I put everything out early. That's right. (laughs) Right, because of this trip, so that we could uh, have it all up when we we got back home. Well, also for for our grandmother to see. Right, specifically for Amal, and then to have it done for the trip. The trip, yes. Both. And then uh, we also had the opportunity to share Thanksgiving and all the traditions we talked about last week with her this week. And that was fun. On Thanksgiving, we did our typical traditions like watching the Macy's Day Parade. That's right. And the dog show a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we also watched some Christmas movies uh, towards the end of the day all together. So like Miracle on 34th Street. That's the that's the classic Christmas one that you watch on Thanksgiving because right. it takes you from you know Macy's Thanksgiving Day to Parade to Christmas. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. We watched Christmas Carol. We watched Christmas Story. Yep. And I tried to watch It's a Wonderful Life. Right. And Beth was not having any of that, so we <laughs> no. did not watch that one. Did we switch it to White Christmas? No, you watched White Christmas earlier in the week. Okay. Oh, Christmas Story. We changed it to we a Christmas, Christmas Story. story. Right. That's right. That's right. right. And um, we also went shopping on Black Friday. So we don't usually go for the early hours on Thursday. We go Friday. Usually the stores in the past have opened around 5 a.m., 6 a.m. This year, did they open at 7? 6. Or no, they opened at Um, 6. A couple of the big stores opened at 6, and the rest of them opened at 8, which was a long time for me to wait. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, it's it is interesting because now that stores are opening on Thanksgiving, there's right. less of a rush on Black Friday itself. Right. Because people will come in and clear out most of what they want on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's changed the very nature of Black Friday. That sounds That's ominous. Right. The very nature. The very <laughs> yeah. nature of Black Friday. It really has. It, yeah. changed it, it, it has, has a lot. The yeah. crowds have changed quite a bit. Well, that and um, Cyber Monday has changed Black That's Friday right. a lot too because right. people now can order, get cheaper prices than even going in stores and just order things online. And people, a lot of people just order things online anyways. Right. That's right. right. In places like Target and Walmart, you can actually just shop remotely and just pick it up right well and i know target does i don't know if walmart does but they'll price match with a lot of competitors like amazon because so they can stay competitive yeah so as a result there really wasn't all that many people there early in the morning it was very nice we got to share that with um, my grandmother mom's mom that was her first time black friday shopping with us she had Crazy. I think a positive experience. She did. I think she and liked it. I think so. And um, we went to Cracker Barrel to eat and then went home. <laughs> yep. and, and Which was fortunate because we ended up taking her home um, halfway up. And then our nephew, her mm-hmm. grandson, came and picked her up halfway because a large winter storm That's right. was heading there on Saturday when we were planning to take her up, back right. up to Pennsylvania. Right. With uh, sleet and snow. So we got there ahead of the storm. And we're able to make that exchange. We exchanged her. <laughs> we exchanged her. <laughs> and then Saturday, we left for Florida. And we got maybe six hours down. And then we made the rest of the way here today. 
Right. So we right. literally just got here a couple hours ago. Yes, we did. But that was a very fun holiday happening, very fun holiday week this past week, and we hope that your Thanksgiving week and shopping, if you did that, um, went well as well. So I'm, I'm going to transition to our first topic, which is uh, talking about the season of Advent. And we will post this right around the first Sunday of Advent, which is December 2nd. And I thought to myself, I bet there's a lot of people out there that don't really understand what Advent is and what the symbols are and where they came from. So I was going to do a brief summary of that and let everybody know kind of what those things are and where they came from. So first of all, um, Advent itself is a period of time preceding the Christmas season. It begins on the Sunday nearest November 30th. So some people wonder, how do they decide? Well, you can either count backwards from the Sunday right before Christmas, or you can look at it as the Sunday that's closest to November 30th. November 30th is what is called the feast day of St. Andrew, and Advent itself covers four Sundays. A lot of people also have those countdown calendars that go from 1 through 25 for December 1st through 25th. Those are actually have a history in Advent calendars as well that I'll talk about um, along the way here. We talked about this last week. That's right. A little about bit, ours. yeah. Ours. That's right. That's right. <laughs> So in 2018, Advent will begin, like I said, on December 2nd. So the word Advent itself comes from the Latin, Adventus, which means the coming. And for centuries, it was a time of spiritual reflection as well as anticipation. Even as the Christmas season has become more secular, you know, more focused on gift giving and less on religion, Advent still brings joy and it gives uh, families the observance of ancient customs, whether they realize it or not. Mm-hmm. It can also allow families some quiet moments together to light Advent candles or to open Advent calendar countdown days. So typically, um, historians believe that Advent was observed for the first time somewhere in the 4th century, so in the 300s. That's true, I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for showing me your card yeah. when you said that. <laughs> It was a time when people who had converted to Christianity readied themselves specifically for baptism. So during the Middle Ages, Advent became associated with the preparation for the second coming of Jesus, um, which is an important part of the Christian religion. So in the last, it's been in the last 50 years or so that it's come to be thought of as a time of anticipation for the Nativity and Christmas Day. So it has both meanings to it, both the so, coming of Christ, second coming of Christ, as well as the coming of Christmas Day. So then back in the Middle Ages, what people would do of Christian belief is that they would uh, use that time from about mid-November through Christmas Day to basically prepare themselves mentally, spiritually for the second coming of Christ. Now, the Days of when different things were celebrated in Advent varied based on area, based on country. So it wasn't until the mid-500s that the church, the Catholic church, decided to standardize this to a, to a set time frame, mm-hmm. which was the closest Sunday after the Feast of St. Andrew through Christmas. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because I, I can't think of just about any religious holiday in the Middle Ages that wasn't in some way sanctioned by the the Catholic Church. I think we talked about that during uh, Halloween and All Hallows' Eve and, right. and all of that. Right, and people also know, probably, that Christmas Day wasn't the a, a known day that Jesus was born. It was a set day based on um, some Catholic Church decision back in the Middle Ages as well. So similarly, this time of preparation they just connected it to that and basically shortened the length from about 40 days to about 30-ish days depending on the year. So there are a couple of traditions when it comes to Advent that uh, I want to make sure people understand where they came from. One is the Advent wreath. So that is the the circle with four candles in it and sometimes a fifth candle in the middle. Mm-hmm. That you sit on your table. That you sit on something. Well, something, yes. Yeah. It's not the wreath that you hang on the wall. Right, right. It's a sitting wreath, right. not, a, not a hanging wreath. Right. Um, so Advent wreaths themselves have origins back to um, folk traditions in Northern Europe, where in the deep of winter, people lit candles on wheel-shaped bundles of evergreen. Now, that wasn't a Christian thing. That was a thing that people did 
maybe for other religions that they had, like local religions, mm-hmm. or as tradition, family kind of tradition. And it gave them comfort in the dark, darkest part of the year and helped them look forward to spring. So later, Eastern European Christians adopted that practice. And that's often true in culture, right? That we kind of adopt practices between secular and religious and people kind of get hung up on that, but it just is a constant thing. Yeah. Secular activities adopt things from religious beliefs and vice versa. And I don't think it's really anything to get hung up on. It's just part of human nature, I believe. Yeah. So by the 16th century, <laughs> Europeans were making Advent wreaths as we know them today. So it traditionally has four candles, three purple and one rose. Uh, they were purple because uh, purple dye was so rare and costly. It was associated with royalty, and so it honored Jesus as king. The, I'll talk about what the symbolism of each of those candles are in a minute. The candles are lit on the first, second, and fourth Sundays for the purple ones. The rose candle specifically is lit on the third Sunday. The fifth candle that I mentioned earlier um, is sometimes placed in the middle of the Advent wreath, and it's called the Christ candle. And it's lit on Christmas Day, and it's associated with the angels and the birth of Jesus on Christmas Day. Advent wreaths aren't a formal thing in the church. They're more informal. Um, not all of them are the same. Some use red candles or white candles, blue candles, so you see different ones. They light them in different orders. So there's not really a, a has-to-be-this-way kind yeah. of tradition with them. So the typical tradition is you, you light a candle... On the first Sunday of Advent, the next Sunday, you light that candle and then the one next to it. The third one, you light the first two and then the next one. Fourth one, first three, and then the last one. And then Christmas Day, you do the same thing. You light the four and then the the last one. And uh, a lot of times, families will say a short scripture or devotional. There's a lot of those out there. A lot of times, churches will hand those out as well along the way. So a little bit about the... um, the shape, it's a circle. Uh, the circle is often associated with infinity. Well, you know, it doesn't have a beginning or an, or an end. So the Christian belief is that it symbolizes God's complete and unending love for us. The love that he sent through Jesus, whom we're celebrating at Christmas. Uh, so I mentioned the purple color. The rose color was meant to be different because it, it was a, a halfway point or a partial way point through the process. So it also symbolized that in the Advent season. The first Sunday Advent, again, this is not standard for everybody, but typically it'll have these elements in it. The first Sunday of Advent symbolizes hope. It's often called the prophet's candle, reminding us that Jesus is coming. The second candle symbolizes faith with the Bethlehem candle, and this reminds us of Mary and Joseph's journey to Bethlehem. The third Sunday candle symbolizes joy which is with the shepherd's candle reminding us of the joy the world experienced at the coming of birth of Jesus and the fourth candle for Sunday symbolizes peace with the angel's candle reminding us of the message of the angel peace on earth goodwill towards men so that's the advent wreath itself and typically um, uh, we light ours on Sunday sometime after we've done it at church in the morning. So we try to remember to do that. A lot of times we end up doing it in the evening. We do. Yeah, yeah we do. It is a good time for the family to come together mm-hmm. and to share kind of that moment of reflection of those four areas and remember the reason for the season, whatever the reason for your season is. Then I also wanted to mention the Advent calendars. Those, a lot of people may not realize they have origins in the Christian faith, but they do. And they were put together basically to count down from December 1st to the 25th in association with the preparation for celebrating Christmas. So this comes from, as many of our Christmas traditions and practices do, from Germany. So uh, a lot of Advent candles are actually made in Germany and shipped over to the United States. The first known handmade wooden Advent calendar uh, was created in 1851, so not that long ago. And then sometime early in the 20th century, the first printed countdown calendars were created somewhere in the early 1900s. The modern calendar is attributed to Gerhard Lang. He had the innovation of adding small doors 
to the calendar in the 1920s, both the printed one and the wooden one. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. 1920s in Germany. So what was happening in the 20s in Germany? Not a lot of good things. So it actually went on pause for a while because um, of World War One fallout and then World War Two. So it was pretty much put on hold. And then it came back into popularity in the 1950s because President Eisenhower actually posed for a photograph with his grandchildren opening up the doors to the oh. advent calendar. And after that point, it became a global phenomenon and the sales went flying <laughs> off the roof. So all you need is a wow. picture of your product with the president and... Uh, and his grandchildren. Right, and his grandchildren. <laughs> yeah, so I think the advent calendar and the wreath are both a fun way of counting down and preparing for the Christmas season. And hopefully, and there are a lot of different types of advent calendars out there, both religious and secular, you know, and they, a lot of them have candy or treats or something like we talked about last week behind the door. So it's a very fun thing to include as a family. So that's obviously a tradition that we have every year. We've got, you know, it's pretty mundane tradition. We've got some a little weirder traditions and when I think of weird things that, you know, we associate with Christmas, those Rankin-Bass claymation movies always come to mind for me, at least. I love those things. <laughs> so, I don't think there's a lot of people in the U.S. who celebrate Christmas who don't know, who aren't familiar with at least one or two of the Rankin-Bass movies. So, they're Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer... You were yeah. thought of Santa Claus. And they've been around since the 60s all the way through the 90s. Yeah. So they, They've been making them all that time. Many generations are familiar with them. Right. And there are honestly a lot more. Like going through a list of their holiday specials, there's a lot more than I originally thought. Right. It's both they, the um, Animagic, which we think of Claymation, but they call right. it Animagic, and the cartoons, both. Right. And they've, they've done a bunch of specials that are not holiday-related either. Right. So Rankin Bass was founded in 1960 by Arthur Rankin and Jules Bass. And the first Animagic special that came out was Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which now oh. we think of as the titular Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Like everything else, you know, is a dirty imposter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far, but it definitely is something I think most people recognize. Right. There's there's something very unique and special and very bizarre about it. There's the... Misfit Toys? There's the Misfit Toys, the Island of Misfit Toys. That's right. There's the Bumble. Right. The Bumble, which is the Abominable Snowman. It's very hard to describe these things if you have not seen it. If you haven't seen at least... Uh, Rudolph the Redness Reindeer, you should definitely go see it because yeah, it's worth it's worth checking out, yeah. even just for the style. But Hermie the Elf, who doesn't want to make toys, but he wants to be a dentist. <laughs> That's right. It's usually on, on TV it is. during the Christmas season, like over It's and usually over running and over just again. constantly yeah. on some, some channel out there. Um, there's Yukon Cornelius, which yeah. one of the articles that I read uh, described him as the Best character in literature. <laughs> oh my goodness, wow. Okay. Huh, Some, somebody a big Yukon Cornelius fan. <laughs> His mom? The, the <laughs> crazy <laughs> gold and silver miner. Right. So it's basically the story of Santa Claus needing to deliver Christmas gifts on Christmas Eve, but fog rolls in, he can't. So Rudolph saves the day with his bright shiny nose, but the story is of Rudolph's growth from birth to being in that position to lead the way right and and save the day He's and his trials and tribulations that's right as he as grows he's, up right as he's shunned and then he runs away and runs into Hermie, the the dentist elf and right. you kind of be independent together right because they're both really misfits right, right. which is why and they... it's it's really a story about Misfits right. coming together to sort of save the day. And being useful and right. things like that, yes. It is interesting, though, I don't know if you're planning to mention this later, but the original Rudolph Red-Nosed Reindeer has this island of misfit toys that has really weird kind of toys that um, aren't normal, like a squirt gun that squirts jelly 
A bird that swims. A cowboy that rides an ostrich. Right. A dolly that doesn't feel like she can be loved. <laughs> right. that, that, that one's always funny. Because right. all of them have sort of these, these physical misfit attributes. Right. right. Except for this doll with low self-esteem. So Ru- yeah. Rudolph and Hermie are misfits. Except they're living misfits. They want to live on the island of misfits toys. But they're not allowed to because they're not a toy. Right. They're human. Though the winged lion, King Moonracer, would not allow them. How about a name like that? Having right. that, that's something that only the '60s could think of. King, King winged Moon. lion, King Moonracer. Right. So he wouldn't let them stay. So they leave. Later in the story, after Rudolph saves the day, the um, one that is shown on TV, the special on TV, shows that they then go pick up the toys from the island and misfit toys. And they all get homes. Right, with, with Santa. With Santa. But yep. in the original one, they did not have that end scene where the island of misfit toys got picked up. What? So they got a lot of letters from <laughs> kids at the time. Of course, that was the way kids communicated back then was through written letters to the studio concerned about the fate of the <laughs> island of misfit toy toys right. and what happened to them. So they actually went back and re-edited in a scene where Santa goes with Rudolph and picks them up and mm-hmm. gives them the homes. Okay. Oh, that's funny. Well, even that scene, I remember thinking how weird it was because it wasn't like a typical Santa special scene where Santa goes and either drops the toys down the chimney or goes down the chimney and get you know puts the toys under the tree. No, instead, Santa gives Misfit toys and each an umbrella and they are to jump and hopefully will land in the chimney under I'm, the tree for a sleeping child. I'm sure that's so. like Christmas magic. That is exactly what I'm I sure. know. And I recall elves throwing them off the sleigh yes. too. Yes. And waving goodbye. Mid-flight. Right. As they, as they drop. Hi. Yes. Have a good, um, have a good home. But the, the animagic I think is one of the things that makes these things so special and it's interesting because these puppets, you look at them and you think that they're really small, but they're actually, you know, I don't know, how, how did you say, about eight, eight inches, about eight, eight to, to ten, ten inches. eight to ten inches or so. And it was all, all the scripts and all the direction and everything was made in the United States. And the voiceover. And the voiceover and all of that. But the animagic itself happened in Japan. And it took them about 18 months to make Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And I always thought it was claymation, but it's yeah. not. It's this animagic special thing that they made where it's kind of a combination of puppets yeah. that are posable. Some of them had, like, jointed limbs. The jointed limbs were a little less posable than the ones that had copper wire wiring on the inside, which I believe was most of them. And I think it was about $5,000... A piece to make these things. Oh, they didn't wow. even last long. They didn't even last long because they were. Year would that have been? This would have been in the sixties. That's so. Sixties and seventies. So they were coated with a non-reflective spray so that they wouldn't interfere with studio lighting. But the spray was, I think, it had some acidic qualities to it, so these things really wouldn't last very long. There's a good article on stop motion animation on Tested.com by Wesley Fenlon. I have it up next to me right now, so you should definitely go and check that out. It's got a lot of great information about this. Um, And also, Rick Goldsmith wrote a couple of books on the history of Rankin-Bass itself. I'll have to go check those out because it sounds very interesting to... I guess there's enough that you can fill up a couple books with it. Well, and you you mentioned that these were first made in the 60s and then a lot of them in the 70s. And even beyond that, but some of the concepts uh, reminds me of the 60s yeah. kind of hippie era. <laughs> it's a little trippy. It is a little trippy. And a lot of these were original ideas that the writers came up yeah, with. Yeah, that they just, a lot of this stuff is just so bizarre. And I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit as I list my personal top five holiday specials. You know, just sort of a bizarre, a couple of bizarre things from from each one. So I'm just going to name my, my top five, starting with five and ending with one. Just Rankin-Bass specials, These correct? are just my okay. favorite Rankin-Bass Christmas specials. My Christmas Animagic specials. Oh, not the cartoons. Not the cartoons. Oh, okay. The cartoons are fine. I'm not the biggest fan of them. Well, I know, for me, two of the cartoons that I like a lot are Frosty the Snowman, which was originally aired in 1969, 
and Twas the Night Before Christmas, which is in 1974. Now, Frosty is still shown on TV regularly yeah. every year. Sometimes they'll have the follow-on one that isn't as good as the original, of course. Twas the Night Before Christmas is sometimes on, but it's basically the story of a little mouse family and the impact that they had on Santa Claus not coming to this town anymore. Because <laughs> one of the mice writes a letter basically saying, we as a town don't believe in you anymore. So like Santa is very right. vindictive to the whole town. Got <laughs> <laughs> kind of pouty, decides not to go there. So they have to build this huge clock tower to beg Santa basically to come back yeah. saying, we do believe. And then Santa comes back. I like it because I think I um, grew up on it. Uh, but it is kind of a trippy story. It is. And so number five on my list is the, the Jack Frost and a Magic Special. Which, it, it's interesting. Looking at people's, as they list these Rankin-Bass specials, some of them put Jack Frost close to the top. Some of them put it close to the bottom. Not a lot of people put it sort of in the middle. It's usually just kind of one or the other. But it's it's the story of how Jack Frost is invisible, but he wants he makes it snow, and he wants to become human. But sort of the trippy thing is he wants to become a part of this town with the king of the Cossacks, who has an <laughs> army of mechanical soldiers called Knights. Right, and his name is Kubla Kraus. Kubla Kraus. <laughs> he has a, a metal... Hand puppet that he mimes voices to talk to himself. Called with. Pardon Me Pete. Pardon Me Pete. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that is, that's very trippy. It's, yeah. it's very trippy, very funny. A mechanical, I think I remember, steam powered horse that had like a claw that came out of the back of it right, to right. grab people's money. Right. <laughs> it's not a Christmas special per se but it is it's a holiday special it's snow and cold it's a winter and, special, yeah winter right so that's your number five yep my number five um and i actually watched this one my number four the first time last night and that's the <laughs> the life and adventures of santa claus which is a very trippy one a lot of these are talking about the origin of santa claus and this one is sort of takes the fantasy lord of the ringsian approach <laughs> to things where he was Raised by woodland fairy and a she lion. What? Right. He was raised by a lion and gets stolen by a fairy, but then they decide to co-parent him. Oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. This <laughs> was in uh, 1985. Right. Wow. Oh, but the, the lion is really his protector more than his parent. The fairy is really more of his mother. So he goes and he wants to deliver toys to these children. But then there are these evil spirits called aguas who i guess want control over the children because they want to make them do evil things so this all culminates in this battle between the aguas and the forest creatures which is complete with like giants and dragons and oh, wow. yeah, it's a major war <laughs> That's interesting. I, and I don't think I've ever seen it. What is it called? The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus. What, was there a, Did they declare war or was it just a... No, he declared war. He oh. said this means war. Oh. <laughs> specific, the, the, the line, this, like, this means war. Oh, wow. I think um, and, like when you were watching it, at one point I heard you say, oh, they pulled out an axe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the, the giant immortal woodland guy, the great Ack... Went back after uh, the Agua, King of the Aguas declared war. He went back to his house and pulled out a big silver axe. And it was like, I was like, oh, this is only going to escalate from here, I guess. And that does not sound like the life and life and adventure. Yeah, of Santa, of Santa Claus. That doesn't, this doesn't sound like this is the um, content so, and of then, that movie. And then they kill the Aguas. And what? yeah, That's yeah. Why it never caught on for kids. <laughs> and uh, they made Santa Claus immortal. It was really a story about the great act convincing the other immortals to let Santa Claus be immortal. Interesting. They had this long sequence of the immortals coming in. There was like 12 of them or so. I was like, somebody had a lot of fun <laughs> making these designs. There were people who had like moons for heads or, or like headgear. Right. Suns for heads. Antlers. Right. There was the commander of the wind demons who looked like kind of like a giant leaf with a head and <laughs> it's, all it's, actually, it's based on a book so it'd be interesting to see how trippy that right. book is compared to uh or if they just kind of went nuts with it yes exactly. 
But then my next one would be Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. What number is that? Three. Number three, which we've talked about. Then the year without a Santa Claus, which I think most people put at the top of their list. That's um, the one with the Burgermeister. No, no, that, that's right. That is not the one with Burgermeister. That's well, that's one with the, probably the best known Rankin Bass song, Heat Miser and Snow Miser. Yeah. Right. I'm Mr. Heat Miser. I'm Mr. Son. <laughs> I was listening to that on my way here, and I cannot. For the life of me, get it out of my head. Yeah. So catchy. Now I can't either. <laughs> um, now you, listener, can't either. And then my, my favorite is Santa Claus is Coming to Town, which is the one with the Burger Meister, Meister Burger. That's right. All of these sound, well, they're bizarre to watch. They sound more bizarre to listen to. If you haven't watched them. Yeah, if you interesting haven't watched thing them. is Santa Claus is Coming to Town is actually another origin story. Right. A completely different origin completely story. Completely different, different origin story. Different Santa Claus. <laughs> right. No war. No. No, no, no. Much more of a Much more kid-friendly. common understanding of how Santa came to be right. than the other one. Right. right. And, and um, solving conflict with being kind yep. Yep. to others, not... Beating them. Not violence. (laughs) But still a lot of magic. Um, In the case of Santa Claus is Coming to Town, you have a penguin who has gotten lost. He's at the North North Pole. Pole He wants to get to the South South Pole, Pole, right? Right. He's at the wrong pole. (laughs) You have a wizard. You have uh, elves. You have a town that doesn't have, barely has any color. Right. Burgermeister, Meister Burger, is the unhappy kind of mayor of the town, right? Mm -hmm. That um, he doesn't want people to be happy and our kids to play. Well, right. And waste time. He wants he, to be patient. Um, I think because he, he tripped on He the broke toy. his leg tripping on the toy. <laughs> so he declared toys illegal That's and right. burned them all. What was it? Illegal, immoral, unlawful, and anyone, anyone found, found with a toy, toy will be thrown in the dungeon. Into the dungeon. dungeon. Yes. Uh, yeah. We, we've obviously seen this all. We have. <laughs> It's my personal favorite. I think it's the one that I've seen the most over the years because I think I've seen Santa Claus is Coming to Town every year. Mm-hmm. All of the other sort of Rankin Bass are more like I'll watch them if they're on kind of thing. A lot of classic there. Um, all the ones you mentioned are have songs in them. They do. They all have some sort of singing along with them. Um, so kind of fun songs, fun yeah. elements of traditions that most people would be well, familiar with. It, it's very catchy music. It's weird music. Yes. Like... If you listen to the lyrics, none of it really makes sense. No. Like Kublik Krauss's song, he talks about how he could have been a Raja or a Samurai or something, <laughs> but there aren't any elephants around, right. so he can't be a Raja. I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure why that was on his list, but I'm yeah, sure they had, fun ma- they had fun making them, I'm sure. So not the cool. other ones that are not cartoons that are in the Animagic realm... That people may be familiar with are Little Drummer Boy. Right, which I did I did not put on my list, and a lot of people don't put high, because it's kind of miserable. It is. It is not a great <laughs> not a happy I didn't I show. didn't remember this, but his family was killed by marauders in, right. in the night, yeah. I think. Yes. And his house was burned down. <laughs> right. And then he was I, taken I like, as like basically a slave. Yeah. Right. The reason why I like it is because I would just always see it around Christmas. Right. Yeah. So it's more of a I didn't like how it made me feel terrible. <laughs> it was very yes. sad. It was. And then other ones people may be aware of. Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July. Not sure how common that one would be. Little Drummer Boy 2, which is... Anything 2 in is these not good. Is not, <laughs> no. No, Rudolph's be. Shiny New Year. I remember when that one came out. And, you know, Rudolph, Red Rose Reindeer, is kind of a weird story. <laughs> Rudolph's Shiny New Year takes that to a new it does. level. Yeah, I remember with that. Living Clocks, Benjamin Franklin, Caveman. Well, as soon as you introduce mm. time travel into anything, <laughs> it's yes. kind of, yeah. which is sort of the whole idea of Rudolph's Shiny New Year. Very fun. Yes. So that's one of the sort of these major traditions that we do during the holidays. But there's a lot of other traditions that we do too, sort of leading up to Christmas and into Christmas Eve. And I'm specifically going to talk about some traditions that we have on Christmas Eve. We decided when the children were little that we would give them a gift on Christmas Eve. So okay. they would, wait a second, wait a second. <laughs> we, we decided. <laughs> so they would wake up on Christmas Eve and a gift, a wrapped gift would be there, usually at the bottom of their bed, so that they could 
Open up excitedly, and this is so fun. She has to pitch this to the to the listener before you interject. (laughs) Okay, so um, yes, Randy, what were you going to (laughs) say? I was going to interject that the we part of that decision was a little bit cloudy for us because uh, I did agree that we would do that. But it was based on an erroneous um, <laughs> assumption on my part. Which is hilarious to me. I thought you grew up with this tradition. Which is so funny. Which is why you wanted to bring it into our family tradition. Right. To me, yeah, it's, no. it, I don't really like the tradition. It doesn't. It has no connection to any activity in Christmas. I think it tra- builds anticipation and it's just a little foretaste, a little fun, little foretaste thing. Yeah, it I is. think it's it's a last minute thing that I feel a bunch of pressure because I always forget to plan <laughs> out ahead of time. That's just like a play so, on your part. So you end up like... If you forget what gifts are what, you can end up like giving the kid, you know, something that. Literally, I go through sometimes and have to reopen gifts yeah. that have been wrapped to try to see is this the right kind of gift right. to give to somebody on Christmas Eve? Because it can't be like the best gift, but it can't be the worst gift either, right? So it's got to be. Well, and it's got to be something that they can like use throughout yeah. well, the day. Christmas like they can right. enjoy throughout the day, which yes. was great when, you know, I was little and I get like. A video game or something, you know. Right. Yeah, or a movie. Um, or a yeah. movie or and a book or something like that that you could enjoy for the day. Right. I remember one time we got Sydney. She loved the American Girl dolls. Oh, yeah. And we got her the little dog mm-hmm. that went with it. And yeah. she was so excited. She just loved She played with it the whole day. Yeah. And I thought, you know, that little dog, to me, on Christmas morning, it would have been overshadowed. By a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. But because it was given to her on Christmas Eve, it was very special and fun. And she got to really enjoy it in a way that she mm-hmm. actually wouldn't have on Christmas Day. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it is a good tradition, maybe up to the point where they're like 12 or something. What, like not this year? Right. Like, <laughs> like not this year. Well, and I disagree like, with Cole. At the, <laughs> like at the point when you're asking for things that you need. Like if I have like... Towels and um, you can get a hand towel. like or- silverware <laughs> on my Christmas list. You can like, use it. I, I don't. Eve. I don't need that a day early. You can have silverware. On I, Christmas I, Eve. I appreciate right. the thought. You can eat from your own silverware. <laughs> right, a day early. I have yeah. a fork. <laughs> so, how long have you and Dad been married? It'll twenty nine years. It'll 29, be thirty next year. Thirty next year. Okay, so d- Dad every single year has stated this complaint. His, I know. His, his reasons why we should not do he just, this tradition, and, and every so, year we still do it. He's so supportive of all Christmas <laughs> things except this one yes. thing. And I love it. And I don't think that he thinks one. this is a Christmas thing, though. It is. It's, <laughs> and it's an it anticipatory Christmas thing. The it problem. wasn't until it's a hijacked. mom's mom came this past week that he realized, he came to the, that he realized that this was not a tradition that you grew up with. No. In fact, I had no idea. He thought it was a tradition. <laughs> that I grew up with. We were talking and, and he said, wait, wasn't that a tradition you grew up with? And I said, no, why would you think that? And he was like, what? <laughs> so we did this all these years? And I thought, he said, where did that come from? I said, I read it somewhere and I thought it was just such a nice thing to do. <laughs> just to be clear, I was never not not going to do it. I right. was just grumbling about it each year and why right. do we do this every right. Thus, year? The not supporting uh, Well, <laughs> it wasn't... I mean, I did find the gift. <laughs> you to, did. To, and then I got them out and I put them at the door. You did the work. The stocking, yeah. yeah. Right? Well, was I just in my head... Or the door. Right. I just in my head would crumble about well, you it. you tell me. But I would you be... You to me. But I, in a sense, I, I don't think of myself as unsupportive because I, I would do it just... Begrudgingly, yes. <laughs> but in my head, I said, "Well, I'll do it because Beth grew up on this tradition." <laughs> That's hilarious to me. That yeah. literally, this year, yeah, I found out that you thought all these years it was one of my family traditions. That's just yes. really funny. So that was a very funny thing that yeah that occurred. That was so. That was a fun holiday happening. Yeah, <laughs> That's the beginning. a little late. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, the Christmas Eve gift and the controversy there has, is one of the things that has always occurred on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Another thing is that I make Christmas dinner on Christmas Eve. And the reason that I do that is so that it's, it's twofold. One, 
We still sit down as a family and eat a Christmas dinner together, but then on Christmas Day, I'm not cooking or cleaning. I can just really enjoy the day. We have delicious leftovers that we can eat, and I have a, a set menu with ham and fruit salad and cheesy noodles. So I have the different things that I make uh, that are standard every year. And it became, I think, a smart tradition for us because we would be up late mm -hmm. Christmas Eve, relatively early, although you guys were never early, um, early risers Christmas morning, but relatively early Christmas morning. So by the time it came for presents were all open, uh, we we're kind of chilled out a little bit. Maybe we were up for the day, you know, gotten ready and everything. Right. And, and it was time for Beth to cook dinner or she was going to cook dinner. She was tired. Yeah. And, and it became a um, hard thing. It's more to burdensome kinda, than, than yes. happy. So when we realized and thought through that when you guys were a little older. So we used to do Christmas dinner on Christmas Day. Right. As, you know, we grew up as kids. Right. But realizing that, boy, if you did that ahead of time and you were just doing leftovers on Christmas Day, that would make the day a lot better. Because really, we spent a good portion of the morning for us focused on gifts and sharing and right. laughing and talking kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Right. So that was our Christmas dinner on Christmas Eve mm -hmm. tradition, and we do that every year. And I really, really like that. Our church, Riverton United Methodist Church, has a 3 o'clock and a 7 o'clock Christmas Eve service. We go to the seven o'clock service, which is also the candlelight service, which is which is a little bit risky when all the kids are in there and you see the kids with no. the candles, but fun and sweet and reverent. So we like that a lot. After our church service, we go, the whole family goes to over to our friend Eric and Trish Anderson's house for hot chocolate with peppermint on top mm -hmm. and general Christmas Eve frivolity for a couple hours. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of fun with family and friends. And after, the, after we have the hot chocolate and frivolity at the Andersons, we go home and put the wrapped gifts around the tree. And that takes a little while because they're in various places that are close to the tree. So that takes a little while. Then comes my fun part. <laughs> oh, I wait. Go, yes. Let me pause there for a second. <clears throat> Just to say that... We put some gifts under the tree well before Christmas Eve. The rest of the gifts from us, we put out later Christmas Eve after, even now, the kids are older, after they go to bed. So it's a, kind of the addition of another set of gifts right. Christmas Eve. Right. We have a small amount of gifts under the tree. Right. Just for pictures. And right. right. Just it's just it kind of an pretty. aesthetic thing. It's nice to see presents under the tree. Right. right. Then comes my part. I go around and put bows on the gifts. We use some store-bought bows, but I have sort of an obsession with Christmas ribbon with wired edges. You really do. <laughs> I love it. You and one of our cats. Yes. yes. <laughs> really sincerely, I have all kinds and colors and patterns and textures. And they're glittery and fun. Yep. I prefer wide ones, the one and a half, two or two and a half inch. And I really like if they have some sparkle, like mm -hmm. Cindy was saying. So when the tree lights hit them, they shimmer. So most of the gifts are wrapped with ribbon, and I make a bow with a ribbon. And we do have a cat, Autumn, that also loves ribbon. Yeah. However, she seems to prefer the thin ribbon. So for the most part, on Christmas, it doesn't get disturbed Christmas Eve to Christmas Eve. <laughs> she morning. likes to chew and swallow ribbon. Yes. So I think it has to be thin enough that you know, she's right. comfortable with that. Right. right. So I'm glad she's obsessed with the thin ribbon. I'm obsessed with the thick ribbon. It matches. Right. And we, we always say that she can smell ribbon because oh <laughs> out of nowhere, she will appear when you're thinking about ribbon. I know. Like, yeah. I'll be looking for some color of ribbon in the basement and I'll turn around and she'll just be sitting there looking at me. It's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> it's very startling. <laughs> wow. So, yes. So we usually go to bed pretty late and then... We're up the next morning, and that's Christmas Day. Yep. So, so that's a sneak peek for a future episode. That's right. <laughs> and with that, we also enjoy watching another movie, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yes, we do. <laughs> and just this year, a new Grinch movie came out. We recently went and saw that um, with Mom's mom, my grandma. 
And I have created a little game for us to play today. Very fun. We will have a People's Choice Award game deciding which movie is better. The original, How the Grinch Stole Christmas animated movie, or Illuminations 2018, The Grinch. But first, I'm a quick... History about the original animated movie. So we love the original animated movie. How the Grinch Stole Christmas was first aired in 1966. So a lot of stuff happening in the 60s. Uh, as a Christmas special and was directed and co-produced by Chuck Jones. An American cartoonist, filmmaker, animator, author, artist, and screenwriter. Who is best known for his work with Warner Brothers and cartoons such as Looney Tunes. The original animated movie follows the book How the Grinch Stole Christmas very closely. By Dr. Seuss. By Dr. Seuss. The plot is about an individual simply known as the Grinch who hatches a devious plan to steal Christmas from the very merry, holiday-loving town called Whoville, which is inhabited by the Who's. Who? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a Good fake one. laugh. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> This year, a 3D computer animated film was produced by Illumination, simply titled The Grinch, which leads us to our game. As we previously stated, we have recently seen this film in theaters. I wasn't sure if our family would want to go to see this or not. Right. Because your mom was in town. I thought, okay, well, let's maybe we will go because it's a nice, lighthearted family Mm-hmm. Uh, movie to go see so we were able to go before thanksgiving that's yeah. right and i ended up enjoying it a lot more than i yes. expected to and we we just love the original animated movie and i mean i have very fond memories of growing up and i don't know like decorating the christmas tree and that having that in the background or christmas parties that we have sometimes we have that going in the background the music is classic the story is very classic yeah we um, always hold hands and sing yeah yeah we, we totally do that <laughs> but let's do it now no, let's practice at home <laughs> so it only makes sense to compare the two and see which one is the best in our opinion, just our opinion, and why. So the rules are simple. Randy, Beth, and Cole have each been given a visual that represents each movie. Until so now, yeah, they've, they've been sitting face down and we were not allowed to look at right? them yeah. this whole time. <laughs> and I really wanted to flip them over. Yeah, so what do you guys see? So uh, we each have two Plastic? flags. One has the latest illumination Grinch on it. Mm-hmm. And the other has the... Dr. Seuss, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, graphic on it. Yep. That's right. So all three of us have the same Two each set. Likes, yes. That's right. If you really look at them, the old one looks a lot more like evil than, than the new one. <laughs> he has his yellow eyes, uh, red pupils. So help me, he has yellow eyes. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, yeah. Also another classic. Yep. <laughs> Andy Dalton or Scott Farkas. So I... Will be the host of this game. So Randy, Beth, and Cole will be answering the questions. I will be reading the questions out loud. After I read each question, they will hold up the sign either for the original animated movie or for the 2018 movie. They will then explain why they chose which movie. The movie that receives the most points by the end of the game will win. Okay. All right. You ready? Yep. Okay. Question one. Who embodied the plot of the book better and why? Okay, so all three are holding up How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the original animated movie. So why? It literally was taken from the book. It was just added. All they did was add songs. (laughs) Copy and paste it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, more or less. It didn't try to add any different plot points. As far as I know, it added, like you said, it added the music, but sort of the, the character was... Um, it extended the scenes that were already in the book. Right. Mm-hmm. And, it, and right. the animation It didn't was try to make new exactly ones. Exactly. From the book. Cindy Lou Who. Yeah, the original like animation. The, the 60, 1966 mm-hmm. animation was right from that. Yep. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so sort of a cut and dry. Right. Yes. That's right. So three points. One point for each person to the original. All right. For the plot. All right. Next question. Which movie had better supporting characters and why? 
All right, everybody's holding up the 2018 Grinch. Yep. Why, why is that? Well, this one actually really had supporting characters because the yes. original had Max, Cindy Lou Who, and the Grinch. Those Cindy Lou Who was a very small person. Those were their, their named characters. Very small person. Very small person, very small part. <laughs> Um, but no, this one tried to have. I wish I remember the names of the characters, but they gave they gave Cindy Lou Who personality mm-hmm. and, they friends. Gave, and friends and friends and mom. mom. That's right. With a um, life, with a little brother, the, with a sidekick. The Grinch had this neighbor that he was always trying to avoid. I believe voiced by Keenan Thompson. Grinch's best friend. The Grinch's best friend. He kept calling Grinch's best friend. And he was uh, probably my favorite character in that movie. He was, he was just so much fun. I like right. the chubby reindeer. The uh-huh. chubby reindeer, Fred. yeah. Fred, yes. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to like that chubby reindeer whenever I saw the trailer. Uh-huh. And it was really, really cute. Right. Um, right. So there was a lot more characters. They definitely put more effort into making, putting in a lot more personality for these characters. Right. So. Yeah, Cindy Lou best friend. Did somebody mention that? He yeah. was such a cute little guy. He was. He was. So they, yeah, they had great mm-hmm. secondary characters. Mm-hmm. I would even say Max was extended. Yes, Max. Oh, yes. definitely. Because yes, yeah, definitely more, more fleshed out. Definitely. Yeah. Yes. Um, and he had more personality. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it showed how much he really cared for the Grinch. Yeah. Yep. And how the Grinch really cared about Max too. Right. He, was not, was he was not. He was not mean to Max. Right. Yeah. Like he was in the original. That was the. That was kind of one of those. Feel good kind of things, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, he really does love Max. Like yeah. Max, like if Max got buried in the snow, the Grinch would like go over and is like, make sure that Max is okay and everything yeah. like that, which was right. good. It was yeah. a great movie. I can't wait to be able to see it get again. It. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Which again, very unexpected. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even think I wanted to go to the movie, but I did because. My mom was here. I was like, okay, that is a cute family movie, and I really liked it. Well, and it's always nice to go and see a movie as a family. Right. All right, three points to the new movie. Yay. All right. Which movie had the better or more memorable music? All I can say is, you're a mean one, <laughs> Mr. Grinch. That was in both movies. Yeah, but it wasn't it sang like But it, it was, was sang in and the original. It was sang we're, in both of them. We're all holding up the original. Yeah, right but it was oh, sang. All three are. It was a classic we liked it better. sound. It was it was more gritty. It was the full song the, in uh, It was clear and the it was, full song. It was, it was the central part of that. Scene. It was. It was a yes. song sequence yes. in the original. Mm-hmm. Right. As as he was uh, stealing the the Christmas All the presents stuff. and everything. So yeah, and if, if you are ever curious to hear the differences between the song You Are a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, between the old and the new, feel free to look it up online. It's interesting the dif- what the differences yes. are. Mm-hmm. One is much more the modern sound. Yeah. Yes. So the, only, the only sort of gripe I had about the new one was they didn't have the original song. This is what I really hoped to hear. Yes. And actually, that leads to the next question and second to last question. Which movie had the best Christmas stealing scene and ending scene? So these are two very important scenes to the Grinch. I feel like those are different questions, though. Well, she's saying from the stealing to the changing the mind and bringing them back. That whole section. The whole sequence. The whole sequence. Which one is better? It's almost a transformation sequence. That's right. Right. Which one did it better? I have to go with the original Okay. So I go with the original because the plot concept was different between the two. The lesson mm-hmm. was different between the two yes. stories. In the original story, the lesson is about commercialism and things not being the reason for the season. That without those things, the Who's still celebrated Christmas, mm-hmm. still had as much happiness in their lives. Still sang. That's right. Versus the second movie, which was much more about relationships, friendships, well, and being kind. And in the end, despite everything he did, the Who's reached out and included him. So it was about relationships. It really wasn't about, like the first one was, things. And you know him focusing on things, You know that's a horrible reason to celebrate Christmas. Only to find out that's not why the, Su- the Who's celebrate Christmas. That was just part of it. Mm-hmm. And that in the end, that his... Heart grew three sizes that day, and then he was what was he? He was strong as ten Grinches times two, or something right, like that. Right. And he lifted up the Plus thing two. because of the redemption. I have the new one up, and for me, it's a matter of taking nostalgia out of it. 
if I add my nostalgia, I'd say the original. But if I take my nostalgia out of it, I'd say the new one. I like the new one better because he has to deal with the consequences of what he did. In the old one, he he has a change of heart, he gives all the presents back, and it's all happy. That's the happy ending. In the new one, he has a change of heart, he gives the presents back, and he has to sit, and the decorations back, and he has to sort of get out of his sleigh and tell them he's sorry for everything. That's true. And then he just goes back to his cave, and at that point, that's when Cindy Lou Who reaches out to him. So that's when that change happens, when somebody reaches out to him in the first place, and sort of that's when he has to, he has to be brave enough at that point to reach back across the aisle and go and spend Christmas with them. Right. I think it's a lot more of a character story versus a plot story. Because the yep. original is a plot story. That's yes. exactly right. right. And the new one is a character story. Yeah, that, yes. yes, I agree. And it was, I thought that the Christmas day was fascinating. When yeah. he went and he had on a tie and... He was nervous. He was nervous. He was nervous. He, was, he almost didn't go. <laughs> yeah, he almost didn't ring the bell, right, right. a couple times. And then um, he was welcomed in, and everybody was really nice to him. Nobody was mean yep. to him. Grinch's best but... friend was great. <laughs> Love to see him there. <laughs> but he, but he wasn't sure what was going to happen. But each time he kind of encountered mm-hmm. people, so it was it was fascinating. So I think that is the fundamental difference. the The old Grinch is about the story of the Grinch. The new Grinch is about. The person, the Grinch. The character of the Grinch. The titles show really what each movie is about. They do, which is interesting. Yeah, Yeah, I never thought about that until until you said that. Right, and one's simply called The Grinch. Right. Yeah. So it's about him. This was about the plot, right? How the the Grinch stole Christmas. Yes. That's right. So two points to the original and one point to the new. But excellent supporting reasons, Cole. (laughs) I, I agree. And honestly speaking... Um, the original didn't have really a reason why the Grinch was so grumpy, right. which kind of added to the mystery well, of the his Grinch. His socks were on too tight. Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Could have been. Whereas um, the new one, it just had this very simple little story of, yeah, spoilers. If you don't like spoilers, just skip on ahead. He was he was in an orphanage, and he just, he never had Christmas. He never fit he in. He never fit in. Right. And so he then went to a mountain and lived with his dog for I don't know how many years. Yeah, right. um, still a little confusing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, but that does lead me to my very last question: Which movie had the best Grinch? Best Grinch. Mm-hmm. One more vote. Yeah, I mean I agree, but again, like you said, it's two different stories. I don't know how anybody could love the old Grinch as a Grinch because there was not enough content in the story. To make you see why right. the Who's would accept them the way they, they did. The Two Grinch. for the new Grinch. Another three, one for the new Okay, Grinch. another one for the new Grinch. So, so all three, three points Grinch. for the new Grinch as a Grinch. Right. Not, not including the plot, just and as given the Grinch. That, this right. was a, I don't know, I'm guessing 90 minutes. I don't know how long the movie was. At least 90 minutes, yeah. if not two hours. You know, they had a lot of time to develop the characters. That's they right. could have done that poorly, and we could have said... Never mind, don't watch it. Right. But they actually did a decent job of explaining it. his origins as well as his redemption, mm-hmm. as Cole talked about, and why the Who's should feel the way they do. Why they could feel the way they do. Right, right. Why they decide to feel the way that why they, they do. Right. Yeah, they decide mm-hmm. to. And we have a winner. The winner of the People's Choice voting game is... How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the original animated movie. It was a close yay, one. That yep. was a close one. It was, yeah. It was one point I think it was a one-point difference. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I mean, we love, we really enjoy both. We did. I right. think both will become, you know, a Christmas watching favorite. Right. Um, for us. At least I hope that it will for, well, for us probably. I hope yes. that it will for other people too. Because I think they both have a lot of good merit to them. Right. Absolutely. And it was a surprising outcome. I don't think any of us expected that we would enjoy the new Grinch. No. Yeah. As much, Nearly as much as we did. As the right. original, certainly. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Sydney. Thank you for putting that together. Lots of fun. It Lots was. of fun. Thank you for letting <laughs> us flip our sticks over. <laughs> And thank you, everybody, for joining us once again for Holiday Moons. Next week, we will be actually be Disney Moons. Uh, we'll be sharing our um, first week at Disney together on the podcast. So we look forward to talking to you about the holiday happenings at Disney next week. 
Just a reminder that you can follow us on social media at Twitter. Uh, we have the handle holiday underscore moons. On Instagram, you can find us at holiday moons, all one word, no underscores. We have a Facebook page and group. You can find that at, at facebook.com slash holiday moons. We have a website, which is Randall Moon, R-A-N-D-A-L-M-O-O-N dot Wix site, W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com slash holiday moons. And of course, you can listen to us online or contact us at holidaymoons at gmail.com. So for Randy Moon, Cole Moon, Sydney Moon, and Beth Moon, happy holidays. Bye. Goodbye.